Well, good evening, everybody, and Merry Christmas. I guess just what we've always wanted is not always what we expected. And that's the line of Ed and the father in the drama. And Ed couldn't have given us, really, in my opinion, a better description of how Christmas arrived 2,016 years ago, if Christ was born, as many scholars suggest, winter 5-4 B.C. We all know the story of Christ's birth by now, at least the preliminaries, the basics of it. But imagine, if you can, being hit with that news for the very first time, like Mary was. It involved an incredible, miraculous, never-seen-before event. It was delivered in a supernatural way. It contained life-altering information. It raised more questions than it provided answers. And you wonder what expectations Mary had when the news first came across her little desk. Let's look at how Mary processed this news and how she had a wonder-filled, wonderful Christmas. In your program on the inside right panel are the notes, and you can follow along there. All the scriptures we're going to look at are there, and if you have a pen, you can take notes and such. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following, uh, that section of Luke chapter 1 presents the announcement that God predicted he would make hundreds of years earlier to the world. He did this in the Old Testament. It wasn't clear to people who read the Old Testament, and at first it wasn't really clear to Mary either when she got the news. Notice how the story uh, just lays down in Luke 1:26 and following. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So first, right out of the chute, an angel appears to Mary. Obviously, an angel appearing is not a very common experience. It must have freaked her out. I mean, that was before freak out. Lay freak, say chic. And then it goes on, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord's with you. Then the angel speaks to her, some unusual greeting of assurance. So again, now not only that the angel appears, now the angel's talking to Mary. He goes on, don't be afraid, Mary, because God has been gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now the angel says, uh, you'll become pregnant and have a boy. But he doesn't explain how. And he says he'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High God. And almost cavalierly, he says, oh, by the way, your son's going to be God incarnate. Just wanted you to know. I mean, think about sensory and information overload taking place right there for Mary. Christmas made Mary wonder about lots of different things at this point in her life. But just because this wasn't what she expected... The great irony, the great twist, the great exciting news of this story is, even though this wasn't what she expected, it's ultimately just what she wanted in the end. Truthfully, the same is true of all of us here. Christmas makes all of us question our expectations about many things. More than any other time of the year, people are raising questions about themselves, their life, and all of this. And our expectations can be better than we ever imagined they'd be if we follow Mary's spiritual journey to a wonderful 
Christmas. If you'll set aside your expectations for your life, go on a journey that God has for you today, this day, this month, this year. You'll have a wonderful Christmas, the, wonderful, the most wonderful Christmas and days to follow that you've ever had in your life. So I want to begin by asking you personally, what are your expectations for Christmas this year? Are they good expectations, realistic expectations, wise expectations, eternally focused and eternally valuable expectations? Most importantly, are your expectations for your life God's expectations for your life? You know, it's taken a while because I'm just thick-headed sometimes, but I've learned that my expectations aren't always what become reality. But when this happens, if I just hang in there, if I just wait on God, and if I watch his plan unfold before me as time passes, I get just what I've always wanted because it's what God has always wanted for me. Have you learned that lesson yet? God's expectations for your life aren't always going to be your expectations. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I heard a little guy over there. God's expectations for your life won't be your expectations. Here's the great thing. Thank God for that. Because his expectations are so much more important. It won't be a smooth road. It won't be a straight path. But it will be the journey that God uses to do a great, great work in your heart, a great, great work in your life, if you let him. So let's see what the book of Luke says about the five stages, the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the five stages that Mary went through to have a wonderful Christmas once the news and the announcement hit. It's the same stages in our own journey for us to have a wonderful Christmas and and to what to really expect, regardless of what happens around us, what happens in our relationships, what happens in our lives, and like the tragedy today in Webster, what happens in our world. The first stage that Mary went through was Mary was... When she got the news, she was troubled about it. First date, she was troubled about it. Right in the middle of Gabriel telling Mary that God was with her in this grand plan, notice her initial reaction. Luke one twenty nine. Mary was deeply troubled by the angel's message, and she wondered what his words meant. She was deeply troubled. She's like, not me. Uh, there, you must be talking about the other Mary in Nazareth, not this one, you know. What's happening to me is the idea. And then the text says she wondered. Like, what's this all about? What is God trying to tell me here? If it was us today, we'd say, what the heck? Mary's first stage was being troubled. I wonder how many of you come today with partly or deeply troubled hearts. Partly or deeply troubled by people or by life, or by this whole Jesus Christ thing, because you aren't necessarily here because uh, you fully wanted to be here. It was kind of a, uh, a little pressure thing. God may be allowing you to feel troubled so that he can get your attention, just like he clearly got Mary's attention. Sometimes God puts us in trouble because that's the only thing that will get our attention. We're like, why does God, why did you put me so much trouble? He goes, because I tried the mild thing and I couldn't get your attention. Often God will do whatever it takes to wake us up, to shake us up, so we're ready for his next move in the journey, which was Mary's second move. The second stage of Mary's journey, once she got the news, she was not only troubled by it, now she's puzzled over it. Once the troubling shock set in and the angel fully explained 
his purpose in coming to her. Notice Mary's response, Luke 1.34. How can this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Now Mary's totally puzzled at this stage, this second stage. She must be like, look. Maybe she's speaking to herself. And inside she's going, look, let's, let's just totally set aside this touched by an angel experience. And let's forget that he even spoke to me. Let's just forget about that for now. Let's, and, and let's set aside the fact that I've obtained some special favor from God above many others. Let's just put that aside too. But I'm a virgin. And, and I'm a fan. I, I don't fully understand this plan. Um, because I plan to not only be a virgin, but I plan to stay a virgin until J-Dog and I get married. And last time I checked, virgins don't have babies. You ever see somebody pregnant? You go, they go you're pregnant. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. And I go, I know exactly how that happened. I mean, I'm not peeping or anything. I don't know the particulars, but I know exactly how that happened. See? But she's like, you know, how do virgins have babies? After troubling Mary to get her attention, God now puzzles Mary to get her to think deeply about the significance of the virgin conception. True story, very true story. Church in Baltimore, Maryland, was in financial crisis. They found the answer on the wall of their church. It had been hiding there for more than 25 years. True story. Someone recognized a piece of art hanging in the chapel of the church. It was a valuable woodblock print by Albrecht Dürer, dated in 1493. It netted tons of money. The work shows the angel telling Mary she would give birth to God's son. And some members could not believe it. All the time, right there for many, many years, this masterpiece was there to help them with their financial situation. One person said, if it were real, why would it be here? And that's what Mary was like. If this angel's message is real and I'm going to have a baby, Jesus Christ, why would it be here in a virgin? I mean, we forget that sometimes. Does God ever puzzle you? He puzzles me often. God, I'm trying to serve you. Yet life gets harder. God, what do you want from me? I keep praying. I don't see anything change. God, why do good people constantly seem to be on the losing end of the stick? And some shady, questionable, crummy people seem to win. God, why am I hurting? And I don't sense your care one bit. If you're real... Why wouldn't you be here for me right now? These aren't necessarily questions I always ask of God, but I ask my own set. But these are common questions I hear people ask of God when they, when they tell me. But God's ways, as Isaiah puts it, God's ways are higher than our ways. And God's thoughts, the way he thinks, because he's truth, are higher than our thoughts because we don't think with pure truth. We think impaired by the sinfulness of our human nature. He wants us to struggle with it. Do you notice that? Why does God want you to struggle with things? He does want you to struggle. Why? 
Because sometimes it's the only way we fully appreciate his activity and work on our life. If everything was greased to skids, smooth and easy, we'd go, look what I did again. <laughs> and he allows us to struggle to see his answers, which leads to stage three. And that's Mary is considerate of it. Now, this is where Mary starts to make a turn. She's troubled. She's puzzled. Now she's considerate of it. It's starting to make some sense. It's starting to gain some traction in her. Over time, Mary conceives, carries Jesus full term. And nothing to suggest. She didn't go nine months. And then some shepherds visit her at the alert of some more angels who come along and tell them. The shepherds visit Mary, and their words afterward about the visit just amaze people. And God's using it to convince many of this amazing event. So when she hears the buzz, you know, it went, the news went viral, and, and, and it created by the shepherds, Luke 2.19 kicks in. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her mind. She got all this information. She goes, hmm, that's interesting. She's starting to get it. She's considerate of it. She doesn't fully get it. So she does what a lot of people do. She put it on the shelf. Not on the low shelf where it could get dirty and destroyed. Not on the high shelf where she'll never go back to it again. But on the mid shelf. She's going to consider this. Hmm. I'm going to take note of that. The shepherds are amazed. This thing's going viral. I'm not going to forget that. She considered it. Mary is working through the troubling parts. She's getting more pieces for the puzzling parts. And now she's reflecting on it with full consideration. She's clearly starting to get it. She's starting to embrace it. She didn't have all the answers, but some things were starting to make sense about this whole virgin birth thing and the birth of Jesus Christ and the enormity of it all. God's plan for you this Christmas and beyond deserves your consideration. Trust God when you are not sure. Give God the total benefit of your doubts. Stop going, oh, life's bad. It must, must be because we got a bad God or this God doesn't care. I want nothing to do because he doesn't do what I want. Who wants a God that does everything you want? That's not a God, that's you. And watch him do something great in you this Christmas and beyond. When Mary did, stage four kicked in. And that's Mary marveling at it, marveling at it. Now she's on the uptrend in this process. When Jesus was eight days old, he was presented to God at the temple as the law of Moses prescribed. And Joseph and Mary, being a godly couple, always wanted to do what God commanded. They do so. A godly older man named Simeon's around. Simeon is a really faithful Jewish man. He knows the Old Testament pretty well. He knows enough about it to know what the predictions about the birth of Jesus Christ are about. He's getting an inkling. And by the way, in the whole uh, Jewish world, they're all getting an inkling that God's about ready to bust a move, about do, ready to do something incredible. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a fever pitch setting in among the Jewish people, uh, historians tell us, around this time. And Simeon, who knows many of the 300-plus predictions about the life of Jesus Christ, goes to the temple, and we don't know how, and he sees Jesus being dedicated or presented to God. So now Simeon sees this, he connects the dots with his understanding of the Old Testament. He goes, this is the God-man, this is the Messiah, the chosen one, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And look at what he says. 
Luke 2, 29. Simeon said, Lord, now I can die content. I mean, he saw Jesus. He goes, take me now. I can die content. I have seen the Savior you have given, not to me alone, not to Mary alone, not to the Jewish people alone, but what? To the world. He is the light. And we talked about this yesterday. The light, the light of truth, the light of direction, the light of meaning, the light of purpose. That's what Jesus is. Now notice the response. Simeon cranks out an incredible, incredible, insightful comment about Jesus. Joseph and Mary just stood there. You can imagine it, just stone, stone immovable, marveling at what was said about Jesus. They didn't fully get Jesus was the Savior of the world, but they got enough of it where they marveled at it. They marveled at it. Do you still marvel at Christmas? For some of you who have been Christians for a while, is it too familiar to you? Is it too familiar? Oh yeah, Jesus was born. One time we had some family at our house when we were living in Florida, and we had some family come down. And we have a tradition. We have a number of little traditions, and one of our traditions is to wake up really late on Christmas morning and, uh, and, and bust out the coffee and read Luke chapter 2. I remember we had some family over, I won't mention any names, and, and one of the family members said, I already read Luke, tw- Luke 2. I already read it. Oh, yeah, I already ate once, too. I mean, it was just weird. And we read it every year, and that got too familiar. Don't let Christmas be too familiar. For some of you, Christmas is unfamiliar. You know why? Because you've been sold a bill of goods because people are switching the price tags on you. And you're believing a bunch of gobbledygook, and, and it's not familiar because you don't even know. Yes, people today, what's Christmas about? Christmas is all about family. No, it is not. Mary didn't give birth to a family. <laughs> Look at that, the octomom. No, I love celebrating Christmas with my family. We did one year, it was just Sue and I. I mean, that, that was awesome, honey. I, I loved it. Trust me, it was the, the best. I wouldn't mind a few other people to enjoy us. But I, I've been there when we lived in Florida the first year. But I'm here to say Christmas is not about family. It's about Jesus Christ. Don't confuse who you celebrate it with with what it is. Christmas is all about peace. You forgot two words. Prince of peace. That's who it's about. It's not about stuff. It's not about trees. We got a tree. I don't have a problem. It's not pagan. I got lights. I'm into that. I got manger scenes. I'm into that. I'm in, I do presents. I like receiving them. <laughs> Vince DiPaola. P.O. Box. No. I like to be like Billy Graham. Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's all the address you'll need. I'd like to have a whole city thing like, like Billy Graham. That's pretty cool. But that's not what it is. It's about the birth of the God-man, Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And if you don't get that figured out, Christmas is all about family. Yeah, let's talk on December 26th. Can you believe Uncle Fred last night? Oh, man. And Aunt Mary, she's a... Man, and Grandpa was creeping me out. But it's all about family. See, it's all conditional stuff. If you make... Because you got... You got got creepy Grandpa at your party, too. Just telling you. That's exactly what's going to happen. And then your whole Christmas will be conditioned upon stuff. 
Here's the great thing about Christmas. When Christmas is its true meaning, Jesus Christ, that's precious, that's immovable, nothing changing about that, nothing less than incredibly superlicious, awesome with that. And that's why life can be crummy on December 25th, and I could still have a great Christmas, and so can you. Because it's not all about that stuff. It's about Jesus Christ, his birth. And if the other stuff is great, that's gravy. That's icing on the cake. I love that. But I don't have to have that. See? You see why that can make you have a wonderful Christmas, even if, God forbid, I had to do a funeral Saturday. I saw the family here, first service. And I could tell that it hurts. But I can tell the joy of Jesus Christ carries them. It's a good feeling. Marvel at it. Marvel at the wonder that Christ would leave heaven. Marvel at the wonder that Jesus Christ would visit humanity. Marvel at the wonder that Jesus Christ offers us hope. It's the greatest miracle. There are three, the three greatest miracles in the universe are this. That Jesus Christ was born of the virgin conception. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that Jesus Christ would choose any of us to believe in him to have eternal life. Three greatest miracles in the universe. Right there. And she marveled at it. And through it all, Mary started, uh, I'm sorry, through it all, Mary stayed the fifth stage, committed to it. Now, what's interesting about the fifth stage, you'll see this by the verses because I tried to pull them in chronological order. You notice these are early. Here's the thing. While it's the fifth stage that she was ultimately committed to it, here's the great thing. This fifth stage was concurrent with stage one, two, three, four, and five. Because throughout she was committed to the journey, and then ultimately she was fully committed to the truth of the meaning of the journey. Look at this in Luke 145. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And there was an overlap in their pregnancies. Elizabeth has John the Baptist in her womb. He's, I believe, six months further ahead, if I remember correctly, but a number of months ahead. Mary has Jesus Christ in her womb. Mary and Elizabeth get together, and Elizabeth goes, whoa! John the Baptist jumps in her womb. And it's an amazing account because John the Baptist recognizes, oh my goodness, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is, is just one womb away. You know? I don't know how else to say it. And it speaks, by the way. You like that? Thank you. All right. That was our resident comedian, Danny Liberto. <laughs> and the great thing about it is it not only speaks of life in the womb, which as a Christian you should believe, but also the greatness of Jesus Christ, that JB just gets so excited at the presence of Jesus Christ. And look at what Elizabeth says to Mary. You believe that God would do what he said? That's why he's given you this wonderful blessing. Even though she didn't fully get it, even though she was troubled, puzzled, started to be committed to and all this stuff, she's finally committed later, but even in the process, she's committed to the journey as well as the destination. Elizabeth says, that's why God, God knew you'd do this. That's why God trusted you, Mary. And then the angel, to the angel, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. I'm willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said to me come true. Look at that. That's Luke 138. That's right after the angel did the announcement, which I covered at the very beginning. She says, you know, I don't fully get it. I'm puzzled. I'm troubled. I'm confused. This is really rattling my cage. But you know what? Here I am. I'm totally open, God. Oh, my goodness. I wish God would help me be that way more. God, here I am. I'm totally wide open. 
I wish he'd do that for you too. God, here I am. I'm totally wide open. Here I am. I don't know if I'll agree every time. I don't know if everything will be right. I know it'll be hard. Here I am. I'm wide open. Who wouldn't want to give that person Jesus Christ? Wow. What a wonderful Christmas. Mary was committed to Christ even when she was troubled by it, even when she was puzzled by it, even when she was considering it, even when she was committing uh, to it. She had a wonderful Christmas. So as I wrap up, I want to tell you, be open to God doing new things in your life this Christmas. I pray that tonight and tomorrow, God will do a great thing in your life. And how you open yourself to a great thing is when you're wide open to expectations. When you say, God, I have some expectations, but I will hold them very, very loosely because I know the expectations you have for my life are going to be different and your expectations are always better than my expectations. And when I let go of my expectations for your expectations, at first it doesn't seem like the right expectations. But when I follow it, they are. And I have a wonderful, a wonderful, a wonderful Christmas because what you've always wanted may not be what you fully expect. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was a black hall of sounds and smells. For 51 years, all he did was feel his way through darkness. Then he could see. A skilled surgeon performs a complicated operation for the first time. Bob Edens had sight, and he found it overwhelming. Listen to what he said. He said, I never would have dreamed that yellow was so yellow. He explained, I love this. I don't have the words. I'm amazed by yellow, but red's my favorite color. I just can't believe red. You believe that? Just can't. I can't see the shape of the I can see the shape of the moon and I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrise and sunsets. And at night, I look at the stars in the sky, the flashing light you could never know. How wonderful everything is. Bob Edens isn't the only one who spent a lifetime near something without seeing it. We can live next to something for a lifetime, but unless we take, it, take the time to focus in on it, it doesn't become a part of life. And here's my plea to you as I wrap up. I believe the answer is to stay in full wonderment toward Jesus Christ and Christmas. To not let something so wonderful be so familiar that we get blind to it. What we ultimately need is we need eye surgery, spiritual eye surgery, that Jesus Christ, the one who was born for us, ultimately came to die for us. And we believe that and receive it into our life by faith alone. God does a flip in our life. And it's an awesome Awesome, awesome thing. I want us all just bow our heads for a minute. I know we've got many of you just have activities galore tonight or family plans and such. So just give me just about two minutes of your time. If you just bow your head for a minute. And I wonder what your expectations are for this Christmas. Are you planning to have a wonderful Christmas? You know, it may, it may not be the Christmas you think. But if you'll yield yourself to Jesus Christ, the one born very God, very man, sinless, who loves you. When you yield to him, it may not be what you expect, but it'll be what you want.
And I wonder if you're coming here tonight troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. Some of you are puzzled about life. What's going to happen in my job? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Mary was puzzled. God gave her enough of an answer to help her. Some of you are considerate. You're considering things. You're marveling at things. And you're just inches away from committing to things. Why not commit your life to Jesus Christ? Say, Jesus Christ, I love you. I, I, I believe some things about you, but I've never received you in my life by faith. I believe you were born very God, very man of the virgin conception. I believe you lived 33, 34, 35 years, whatever it was. And you bled and died on the cross for my sin. And I ask you to come into my life, cleanse me, make me forgiven and whole before you. And when you do that, then Christmas begins wonderment. And for those of you who have already done that, but it's been a while, I pray that God would break through the crud and the distraction and the, 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 everything that pulls you away from the incredible, credible miracle of the birth of Jesus. And I pray that God would give you fresh eyes, give you eye surgery, so red will be really red and yellow be really yellow. And you know what I mean by that, spiritually speaking. God, do a great work in our church. Every single human being in this facility, on this property, right now, I pray you do a great work and help them have an incredibly wonderful Christmas through Jesus Christ. Amen.